tonight we're going to talk about how prayer is powerful. Have you guys ever prayed a prayer and it seemed like uh, it never actually happened? Like, did God even hear it? Or anybody pray a prayer that never happened? Only me? Okay. How many of you guys have, have prayed a prayer and you actually saw it happen? Like, you actually saw it answered and something happened that you prayed for? Okay. I like, I like, honestly, I want to hear all those stories, but after church, but, but after church, I had, I've actually prayed many prayers and it seems like whenever I'm praying, like it's bouncing off the ceiling. I'm like, does God even hear me? Like, is this mic even on? Even though like when I'm praying, I don't have a mic cause that'd be weird. I'm not that kind of person, but there's been so many times I prayed and it feels like it never has reached God and it doesn't answer. I know that's not the case. I know that no matter how it feels, I know God hears. And a lot of times he's just telling us to wait and be patient. But that's how it feels sometimes. But I've also prayed prayers. And God has showed up and he's moved in powerful ways that don't even make sense. One of those prayers I prayed was in high school. It was, um, I was two years into coming church. Um, I was only been coming church for a couple years. Um, and the thing I was praying about is to go on the Mexico mission trip that my youth group went on. They went to Mexico every year. I'm like, I want to pray, and I want to go on that. So my second year there, I've never been to Mexico. I've never even been out of the country. And so I just started praying that God would send me there. I didn't even have a passport. You know, and I'm like, God, send me to Mexico. He's like, how? You don't have a passport. He didn't say that. So a month rolls by, two months rolls by. Nobody knows I'm praying about this. Nobody even knows that I want to go. Because at this point, all the signups have already happened. At this point, it is one month from the time the youth group is actually leaving from Mexico. And it's obvi- obviously, it's too late to sign up because there has to be plane tickets. And it's too late to raise money because this is an expensive trip. And it's even too late to get a passport because, you know, it's hard to get a passport in under a month. But I keep praying. I just keep praying anyways. I don't know why. My youth pastor said I should pray and never give up. I'm like, all right, I'm going to pray and never give up. So I kept praying. And then one day, my youth pastor, he called me. He said, hey, do you want to go to Mexico with us? Because a couple in the church, they just paid your entire way to go if you want to go. And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yes, ask your dad, but let me know ASAP, and I'll meet you at the tag agency so we can get your passport in. And so I met him at the tag agency, and the passport was paid for. It even got expedited, where it's there within two weeks. And God used us in Mexico in very powerful ways. I mean, the point of that story is that prayer is powerful. You don't know how powerful prayer actually is until you see it answered. Because God hears what you're praying for, even when it doesn't make sense. Like, who would be praying to go to Mexico a month away from a trip when you don't even have a passport or anything? But God knows he answers. So never give up on praying. And all that to say is because our passage tonight is actually a prayer that Paul prayed for the church. A lot of times whenever we read passages in the Bible, it's stories of what happened. Like Jesus did this, Paul did that. Or a lot of times it's Paul explaining what's going on. He says, Jesus is God. Like faith is this. This passage is neither of those. This passage is a prayer that Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus and he's praying it for all of us. So we're going to dive into that tonight. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 through 19. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. Otherwise, it's right there behind me. He says, this is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. So in this prayer, Paul is actually praying two different things for us and for the believers that were in Ephesus. The first thing that Paul is praying is that for our knowledge of God to grow. That basically that we can just know God better, that we can grow in our knowledge of him. And the second thing that Paul is praying is that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened. Those are the two things that Paul is praying. So the first prayer he's praying, he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom and revelation come from the Holy Spirit who is living inside of us. And we know that from last week because it says all believers have been sealed by the Spirit. Grow, and also growing in your knowledge of God, that's more than just knowing facts about God and getting head knowledge about God and knowing more, just facts about God. Knowing God is growing in your knowledge of who you are in him like who, who you are in Christ and what that means for who you are and what he can and is doing in your life. That's what it means to grow in God. It's to grow in a personal relationship. Like you can date somebody and you can know facts like, okay, this person, like I'm just going to know everything about them. They like the color blue. They like to eat lobster, like, you know, just random facts. But unless you grow in that relationship and you really get to know that person, you're not growing in that relationship. Like there's a difference between knowing facts and getting closer to somebody. Second prayer that he prays, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Like, that kind of sounds weird, honestly. I just thought about this just now. But I just imagine, like, a heart with eyes. Like, I don't know. That's just weird. Like, that's like some kind of, like, art that a weird person would get a tattoo on the back of their arm or something. I'm going to, yeah, Brooklyn, instead of getting mountains, I'm going to get a, a heart with eyes on it. Right here, I'm going to get the Grand Tetons. I'm going to get that. Right here, so I can, like, okay, right there across my back. All right, a heart with eyes so they, they can be enlightened. That kind of sounds weird. But that enlightenment, that should bring to mind, like, that's not actually talking about spiritual enlightenment. That's not talking about that weird stuff that people do, like, with magic and crystals and meditation. Like, we're not talking about spiritual enlightenment here. What Paul is asking is that we would actually be awakened to the new spiritual life that is available to us in Christ. And when I was talking about the word heart in the Old Testament, which is the part of the Bible that happens before the New Testament, get, see how clever that is, old, new. Basically, the Old Testament is everything before Jesus, and the New Testament is everything about Jesus which actually the whole Bible is about Jesus, but that's a story for a different day. Um, but the Old Testament, whenever it uses the word for heart, it's actually describing the center of the person's emotional, intellectual, and their spiritual, not just the emotional. Like today, when you hear the word heart, you think that just means like your heart and your desires, like all your emotions. Like I love you with all my heart. But in the Bible, when you see that word, it should make you think of like your mind and your soul and your spirit. It's the center of everything of who you are. And so this prayer is important because we all used to be darkened and blinded in our hearts. Before we all came to church, before we ever came to youth, before we found Jesus, the Bible, and Paul even describes us like this in chapter 4, it says we were darkened in our understanding and we are separated from the life that comes from God. 
That's who we were before we found Jesus. We were darkened in our understanding. We were blinded. We, didn't, we were separated from life that came from God. And we know that now that life is only found in Jesus and there's no life found apart from him. And everyone who doesn't follow Jesus right now is spiritually blind. Like you're wondering, like why, why is there so many crazy people at my school? Why, why are so many people doing crazy things? Why are they evil? Why are they bullying me? It's because, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, in their case, the God of this age, which is referring to Satan, he has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So everybody who doesn't know Jesus, and all of us before we knew Jesus, were blinded by Satan from seeing the light of the gospel. And Paul, he's praying this prayer that we don't go back to that spiritual blindness, that we don't forsake God, but we can continue to grow in God and to walk in his light. So that, there's the reason. Here's the reason why these prayers are so important. He says, I pray this and I pray this so that... The first reason is so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. He says, I pray that you can grow in your relationship with God. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Because God has chosen us and called us, we can have hope. And Paul, he wants the believers to know that God, he has chosen them before the foundation of the world. Remember, that's the first verse. Verse 4 of this chapter, and that's what this whole series is based on, that God has chosen you before the foundation of the world. He wants you to know that he has chosen you before the foundation, and that a time is coming in which he'll bring every single thing under the lordship of Jesus. That means there's going to be a time when Jesus is in charge of everything. He's in charge of the entire world. Every single person will have to come under the lordship of Jesus. And this is a promise for the future. Hope is more than just a faint wish. Like whenever we think of hope, we think, oh, I hope school gets canceled tomorrow. Or it it won't because it's summertime. Like whenever it's snowing, like I hope we get a snow day. Like hope in, in our world, it's like a faint wish. But the biblical definition of hope is expectation. Like when you come in and you sit, you're like, I'm going to sit down on this chair and it's going to support me when I sit down because it does all the time. You expect the chair is going to hold you. And if it doesn't, you're surprised, right? Like if someone pulls the chair from underneath you, like I, I knew that was going to happen. No, you wouldn't, or you wouldn't have sat down. But you know, you expect the chair is going to hold you. That is the biblical definition of hope. We wouldn't say, I hope the chair is going to hold today. No, but that's the way the Bible describes it because it is an expectation. It's like, I know this is going to happen and I cannot wait to look forward to that. In the Bible, he wants that to be a sure foundation. He wants that hope to be something that we can build our life on. And that is a hope that you only get once you begin to follow Jesus. The world cannot offer you hope. That hope, the expectation of the future, that everything is going to work out, that everything's going to be okay, that is a hope that is only found in the Bible and that's only founded on a foundation in Jesus. The world cannot offer you that hope. Think about it. The world doesn't even know if there's going to be tomorrow. The world doesn't know, like, let alone life after death. Like, they don't even know if there's going to be tomorrow, but they don't even know if, if anything is going to happen after we die. So why would they be able to offer you hope? They have no foundation to live on. We know the world, that's everyone who's living apart from Jesus. The hope that we have, 
when he says, I pray that you may know the hope of his calling. The hope that we have is of a time where God will bring all the rebellious powers under the sovereign rule of Jesus. That means there will be a day when all pain and all evil and all suffering and all injustice and all evil people, they will finally be judged and they will all be brought to an end. There'll be no more pain. There's not going to be any more anxiety. There's not going to be any more depression. There's not going to be any more loneliness. There's going to be a day when all that is finally coming to an end. There's going to be a day when all evil people, unjust people, all the bullies, all the people who are sick in their mind, they will all be judged and brought to an end. And we don't have to worry about them anymore. But a scary thing the Bible talks about is that the same thing is also going to happen to good people. Your friends, your parents, good people who do good things but don't know Jesus will also be judged along with all of that. The only escape is faith in life in Jesus. And that's good news because there is a way out and that is through Jesus alone. And during that same day when all evil is brought to an end and during that same day when all evil is judged and there's no more pain and no more death and no more tears, there's gonna be a day when every believer and follower of Jesus, if you have accepted him, we will be brought up to heaven and experience his paradise. This is what is written in the Bible, that we'll experience paradise. That is whenever we will feel safe we will feel known, we will feel secure, we will feel at peace, and we will finally be loved. Knowing the truth about the future and our place in the future, that brings us certainty and that will bring us comfort. Knowing that I can, I can deal with what's happening right now because I know in the future everything is going to be okay whenever I follow Jesus. That is the only way to survive in a world that is filled with pain and darkness. Because our world, like right now, we're kind of shielded to it. But there's going to be a day when you're not shielded to the pain and darkness that's happening all around us. And the only way to be able to persevere through that, the only way to survive knowing everything that's happening in this world is to have a hope for the future that all that is finally going to be judged and we will be known and safe and secure. Having hope for the future is the only way we can live with peace and joy in the present. And knowing that your fate is secure is the only real way to get over any kind of anxiety about life. The people of Ephesus, where Paul lived, and the, the world where Paul lived, they were very afraid about the future because they believed in a thing called fate and destiny. They believed that the world was fixed and that there was no changing it and they just had to accept it. Like, whatever happens is going to happen. Like, have you ever heard that or said that? Like, whatever happens is going to happen. They believe that everything was, was set. And if a bad thing was going to happen, that was fate. If the world was going to end tomorrow, that was fate. And honestly, that sounds hopeless. Like, where is the purpose in that? Where's the joy? That sounds miserable. But the Bible is saying the exact opposite of that. The Bible is saying that we can endure suffering we can serve God today and tomorrow because we have an eternity of greatness that is waiting for us. We can endure being made fun of in school because we're actually loving and serving Jesus because we know that one day everything will be okay and that God has a future and a hope for us. 
There is a sovereign God who is in charge of the entire world, and he writes history just as he wants it, just as he wills. But in this passage, we see that that same God who writes history as he wants it is the same God who has chosen you, and he has called you into a relationship with himself through Jesus. That same God, we don't have to worry about the future. We don't have to worry about if things get worse. Because the God who is writing history is calling you. He has chosen you before the foundation of the world to have a relationship with him. And in that, there is hope. And in that, we are safe and secure. But we can also have hope because the second thing that Paul says is that we are God's inheritance. In verse 18, Paul, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling And what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? We are the wealth of his glorious inheritance. That kind of sounds weird. Let me unpack that for you. We are God's people. We are his chosen possession. We are chosen in him before the foundation of the world. The point that Paul is saying here, he wants us to know how deeply God values and cherishes you. He's trying to articulate how much God actually loves you and how much you're actually worth to God. You are God's incredible, valuable, and glorious inheritance. And we know inheritance is something that you get whenever you die. It's it's that thing that you inherit. You are God's masterpiece and you are God's treasure. Think about how kings, how kings value their treasure. God is the king of the universe and he owns everything. Literally, like if he... If he wants it, he can just make it. He owns everything. All the gold, all the silver, all the money, all the stars, all the galaxies. God's owned everything. But just as an earthly king treasures uh, silver and gold, just as much as a president or a king treasures having wealth, that is how much God values and treasures you. You are his glorious inheritance. The third and last thing, we can have hope. Because of his immeasurable greatness and power. The ancient people of Ephesus, they valued power. They served false gods, which we know are idols or really demons, because they thought they had great power. And here, Paul, he is correcting that thinking by reminding them that only God is powerful. Only God has real power. And God, he gives that real power to everyone who wants it, but he only gives it to the humble. If you want more power, then the less of it you're going to have. And we think of power like as something that only rich people get or only people in authority get. But really, all of us desire power in some way. The definition of power, as I think about it, is the ability to assert your will over somebody else. It's the ability to make somebody do something they don't want to, because you want them to do it. In some way or manner, that's how power works. So we all want to influence the world. We all want people to listen to us. We all want to feel heard and valued. We want to feel like we are in control. But all of those are just roots of a deeper problem of how we just want power. We just want to feel heard and known and in control. And God, he gives power out freely, but he only gives it to the humble. The more that you want that power, the more that you want to be in charge, the more you want to be in control, the more you want people to do what you want them to do, the less of it you will get. 
God gives power, but he gives it to the humble. The more humble you are, the more of God's power you will have. And Paul's praying here. He's not praying that we'd be filled with so much more power, although he does pray that in other parts, like the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that will live inside of you. But the reason that Paul is writing this in here about his immeasurable power is he wants us to recognize and acknowledge how powerful God is and how he's working in our lives. He wants us to be more aware of God's power that is available to us through the Holy Spirit. And God gives us access to that power. He says, if you want power, I have all the power in the world. If you want power, I can give that to you. He gives us access to his power because we have access to him. Prayer equals power. The more that we pray, the more power that we have. The closer we are to God, the more power that we have. And understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we have power to make anyone do anything. I'm not saying God's given us power so that we can be in charge, so that we can be leaders, so that we can change the world. All those things are possible under that. But God, when he says, I want to give you power to understand how great his power is, it's power to say no to temptation. It's power to be free from sin. It's power to be, to be bold in sharing your faith. Like, Normally, you'd be afraid to share your faith with somebody, but God gives you power to be bold in saying, hey, have you heard about Jesus? It's power to love in the face of evil. Like whenever a bully comes up and they pick on you or, or you see somebody, you see something that just makes you so angry, makes you so mad, God gives you power to love in the midst of that, to show his light. That's the power that God has, and that's the power that God gives through prayer. Remember, prayer equals power. Through prayer, we can ask God to reveal his plan of the universe to us and his plan for our lives. So not only do we need to have a fresh fear of God's power, this passage that Paul is praying for us is that we also need to understand the reality of the future hope that we have and how much God values us. God is powerful. God has a future and a hope for us, but more than that, God values us. We are his treasure. That's what Paul will pray that we understand in here. And whenever you understand those three things, that God has immeasurable power. You can't get it on your own, but you can get it from God. We have a hope and a future. You can't build your own future, but when you trust in God, he gives that to you. And you understand, like, my worth isn't in myself. I can't make myself worthy. I can't make myself better, but God already cherishes me. God already values me. I don't need to add on to myself, but I am already enough in Christ. That is the prayer that Paul is praying for us tonight. And we understand that. And that can become our new identity and all that happens through prayer through prayer. And it's not just praying just to pray. Not just praying just to check something off the list, like, okay, I need to pray once a day. So you, okay, you pray for five minutes, then you check it off the list. And it's not a prayer just to pray right before you eat. The prayer that Paul is talking about and the prayer that God is asking us to go to is the prayer with the goal of getting closer to God. Becoming more of his, more aware of his presence and becoming more like him. 
Paul is praying these things for us. And the only way that we truly understand them, the only way that we can truly grow in the knowledge of God, the only way that the eyes of the heart can be enlightened, the only way that we can really know what the future that God has for us is, the only way we can truly understand just how much God values us and how much he cherishes us, and the only way we can truly understand just how powerful God is, that he can change the history of events by one single prayer is by diving in and praying and getting closer to him. So tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. The altars are going to be open. The worship team, they're not, they're not going to lead us in another song, but we're going to have a Spotify song so that everybody can be a part of this. And up here on the stage, you can probably see, if I can get it off my thing, I got these prayer cards. And it's just verses 17 and 19 up here. Whenever I say go or invite you to come up, I want you to come, I want everyone to come and grab one of these. This is verses 17 and 19. And I would pray this prayer every single morning before I went to school when I was in high school. And this changed my prayer life. This made my prayer life more powerful because you can read this and be like, okay, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that Paul was praying this over me. But whenever you begin to pray this and pray it for yourself or pray it for your friends, that's whenever you can understand the power that is in prayer. And so the way I do this, and I, I put it on here as well, anywhere it says you or your, I changed it to I or my. And so when I'm praying this for myself, I'm like, I don't know what to pray for. The Bible tells you what to pray for. And so here's an example says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened. And so you just go through this and you just pray these things for yourself. And then you just pray that God would do these things for you. But at the same time, like if you want to intercede, if you want to pray for your friends, you want your friends to come to know Jesus, you want your friends to start coming to church, I would pray this over all my friends. I would insert their names into here. Like if I was praying this for for Tucker, I would say, the glorious Father would give Tucker the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of Tucker's heart may be enlightened so that he may know what is the hope of his calling. You don't know what to pray for. The Bible tells us what to pray for. And so in a second, I'm gonna ask you guys to come up. And the goal of this next few minutes They're going to play a a song on Spotify. The goal this next few minutes is for you to get closer to God. And so I want you to come up and I want you to grab one of these cards. And here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray over this prayer. I want you to pray this for yourself. I want you to change the words of you or your for I or me. But I also want you to ask God to reveal himself to you. Remember, knowing God is more than just knowing facts about God. And that's kind of what I've been doing to you right now. I've just been giving you facts. I've been telling you things about God. You know God loves you. You know God cherishes you. You know God is powerful. But I want you to pray that God would reveal himself to you personally. Don't let it just be Pastor Matt telling you about God. But let God tell you about himself to your spirit personally. Ask God to let you feel his love and his closeness. Remember, not just to know about God's love, not just to know that God is close, but ask God that you can feel that for yourself and then ask God to give you the power of the Holy Spirit.